When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the best the sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round You can find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues It is the Blue Room. It is your weekly show. I am Matt Jones and I am joined, give him his full title, by Patrick Boylan. Do you have a middle name, Paddy? Yeah, John. I don't I do not do what you do. You've got that lovely kind of old school, kind of New York Times style by, uh, byline where it's like Matt C. Jones, which is... That, is... that is true, yeah, I do have that, yeah. <laughs> Patrick J. Boylan, I don't think quite has the same ring to it, but, um, but yeah, it is, it's John. Yeah, it's a very common name, Matt Jones, though, isn't it? So, you know, I need some kind of distinguishing feature. <laughs> um, it's the C in your middle name. <laughs> the C in my middle name. It stands for Colin, um, which maybe is less distinguished. Uh, sorry to me, Dad, who I'm named after. If you listen to that. <laughs> um, but how, how are you doing, mate? Are you good? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I've been um, a bit drained at the start of this week. A lot of travelling recently mainly for work purposes, but also a few other kind of family events and stuff. Um, for those that don't know, I was in France last week with with Everton for much of the week, kind of conducting interviews at the team hotel, seeing how pre-season was going and just kind of get a general sense of the temperature around the around the camp. So, so that was really interesting. That's all good stuff. So it kind of far be it from me to complain about tiredness, but but yeah, there was a bit of tiredness this week as well. Oh, mate, it wouldn't be you on this podcast if you didn't moan about something. You know, it's just as common as the the, the theme song we have at the start of the weekly show. So you know, a professional moaner in a way, P- professional moaner. Yeah, <laughs> but as you said, I mean, you were there last week. I mean, we'll come on to speak about the state of the squad and stuff a little bit later on, but. You know, pre-season tours now, we're, you know, we're old enough to have seen Everton do all different types in all different countries and in all different ways. Um, just also get to a point where you can distinguish how effective it's been because I suppose it's one of them. It's it's one of those things we talk about when we're in this space now where we're looking ahead to the season and we, you never want to be too negative before a football's been kicked and the, the players always portray a positive message. The manager portrays a positive message. The club put out a lot of content that portrays 
the team being fit and fitter than ever and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But I mean, it, it, does this one feel like a good one from, from being around it all last week or is it just very much run of the mill standard preseason? It's it's tough, isn't it? Because as you say, it's highly unlikely that anybody really is going to turn around to us in the media and tell us what a terrible few weeks it's been. Most people are are kind of on on message and on brand. Um, there did there did seem to be a positivity around the camp um, from 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 the discussions we had, from the interviews we did. Just about everybody was saying that, and and sometimes saying it unprompted as well. Facilities were obviously great over in in Evian on on Lake Gen- on, on Lake Geneva, right on the right on the banks of Lake Geneva. Um, and I think it's been tough for the players. That was the first thing. It's like, it, well, yeah, it's it, it's it's been a good camp, a positive camp, but also really tough. And I think the one notable difference this time is that you are having that additional messaging about kind of what Dice is doing with the players. It is a little bit different, and I think it is probably a bit more grueling for this group of players than than they've become accustomed to. In in recent seasons, there's extra intensity in training. I think there's a lot more running, particularly without the ball at times, but but also with it. Um, and and we know, don't we, that this manager kind of likes to put the players to through their paces. So that's the big difference I see. Um, that they've got a manager who's who's probably a little bit old school. It's it's not quite running up sand dunes on Formby Beach, but it's I suppose it's the the French Alps equivalent of that, isn't it? And um, a, a focus on the the very basics, the very fundamentals, so fitness, working for each other. There was actually quite a lot, and I think hopefully this came across in the piece I, I, I wrote on the tour the other day, but there's it was quite a lot of, of, of stuff around kind of team bonding and the importance of that, of, of kind of fostering a, a spirit and kind of those events like kind of uh, they went white water rafting at one point. Um, thankfully, we weren't asked to go. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd have been very good at that. Um, I'd have probably been a little bit scared. Um, so thankfully, we d- didn't have to do that. But there was, there was white water rafting. I think the players were playing kind of golf and padel together, the, 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 the kind of the, the European racket sport. And there was also opportunity for kind of group barbecues and, and stuff like that. So I, I think... Looking back on the camp, most of them are probably pretty positive about what what took place. There's a sense that Everton want to be the fit one of the fittest, if not the fitter side in the Premier League. But as ever with these things, I suppose we'll only see how successful the methods are in the weeks ahead. And also, it's quite clear for everyone to see they need new additions, don't they? So they can they can be as fit as they like, but if the quality is not there, they're not going to do what they what they need to do this year. Yeah, I mean, I I would have loved to have, have seen yourself or um or Chris Beasley get involved in Gaffer's <laughs> Day. It'd be absolutely fantastic, you know. I and I think you'd like put it into perspective a little bit, like. So I, I sort of look at it now and think I'd quite fancy my chances of beating somebody like Neil Mope on Gaffer's Day. But okay. I reckon, like, if you actually put one of us in there against like a real professional athlete who was doing it, then all of a sudden you'd realise just just how difficult it'd be. Well, yeah, this is this is it, and it's the same with the general standard of football, anyway, isn't it? Really, sometimes we kind of like chastise these lads for not being great in a Premier League setting. But if you've ever played with somebody that that even kind of reached semi-pro, the difference between like the average punter, the average Joe, and even them, like people that have played in in, in the lower leagues or in 
or in or in non-league. It's just it's huge. It's absolutely massive. The other the other interesting thing was, I mean, we, we did a lot of different interviews, but spoke to Michael Keane and he, he was talking about how the players had come back sharp. So I said to him, well, who's come back sharpest? And I, I was expecting Dwight McNeil or Alex Awobi or, or even kind of Adrissa Gay people like that. People I'd have known for their for their fitness. And he, he actually, the, the one he pinpointed was, was Neil Mope. He said Neil Mope had won the yo-yo test, which is, which is the, the bleep test, another word for the bleep test. And, that surprised me. Um, but let, let's see what difference that makes to, to him and over the next season. Yeah, there's so much focus on these things now, isn't there, as well? Like the, the three season like tournaments, like obviously yeah. across the park at Liverpool, like to become like a, a bit of an obsession for their fan base, primarily because I think Milner won it every year, didn't he? For Did he? he was at the football club, and then he's obviously gone now. And then it's like, who's going to be the, the, the new champion in that? But yeah, I mean it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Because I think you know, in sort of looking at the game that we played, and it's it's hard to read too much into it, isn't it? A two-one win against a a Swiss second division side, but um, some young players involved in that: Tom Cannon, uh, Lewis Warrington, and uh, Virginia. Sort of, well, they, they all started the game. Um, it feels like those three in particular, Paddy, to me, you know, I'm not looking at any of them saying they're going to be starting against Fulham on the opening day of the season. Well, certainly not. Um, you know, unless, unless there's an injury to Jordan Pickford or something like that in the case of, of Virginia. But I think those three are the ones that in that group, and I'm not obviously included Bramthwaite in this yet because he's not come back to, to the squad fully. Uh, certainly he wasn't in Switzerland, but uh, perhaps those three could be used in the coming weeks to, to plug gaps in, in the sense that you look at Warrington and you say maybe he could be your fifth central midfielder that, that Tom mm. Davis was. You look at Virginia, who's a bit more experienced now, he could be your backup goalkeeper. And then Tom Cannon could be what Ellis Sims was last season in the sense that he was, you know, the third or fourth choice centre forward, kind of wild card option on the bench that you bring on at times. And, and listen, you know, we'll come on to speak about transfers in a bit. And, and Everton do need to, to get players and you can you can improve the first eleven, I think, as, as a priority. But but maybe those those little positions that are out of the first team that are sort of, you know. 16th, 17th, 18th players in the squad, then then maybe the managers thought he could have a look at them with, with that in mind going forward. Yeah, I suppose the first thing to point out is that certainly I don't and Sean Dyche won't read anything into that game on, on Friday. I think it was a glorified training exercise. And I know from discussions we had internally at The Athletic, it was, well, do we feel that we need to do like a, a breakdown of what happened and a summary of kind of the things we learned, which is obviously kind of standard journalistic practice. We decided that we don't really. It might reach a point in in the weeks ahead when it comes to sporting Lisbon on the, I think it's the 5th of August, that, that final game before the new season or or even Stoke the week before. Where We've we got did... two games on Saturday, haven't they, at the same time? Yeah, well, they, they do. I think the lineup that plays against Wigan will be stronger than the one at Prenton Park v Tranmere. Uh, I think that the Tranmere side is being called an Everton 11, which to me suggests that it will be a combination of kind of like under 21s and then a kind of a handful of first-team fringe players. But let's see on that. So, yeah, I don't think there's too much to read into it at this point in the season. Daesh won't be reading anything into it. And I know after the game, he, he kind of spoke about how he only saw this as a fitness exercise and, kind of a tough fitness exercise in the heat after a pretty grueling week. 
the the three that you mentioned there, I think I think you are right. Virginia, Cannon, and Lewis Warrington. I think you are right that as it stands right now, they are the the ones you look at and and would, would suggest the closest, without any incomings, to being part of the the group next year. But if we go through them individually, I still think there are a few interesting things here that that that, that and, and the situation might still change. So you've got Virginia who as it stands, is probably second behind Jordan Pickford. But the club have been looking at backup after the departure of Begovic. So there's a bit of t- bit of a look at uh, Joel Robles, but I don't think anyone's going to be able to compete with, with Saudi wages. Um, having a look at the, that market in general to see what they can get uh, kind of on a budget. So I wouldn't completely rule Virginia out being the number two, but Everton are definitely assessing their options there. Uh, Lewis Warrington, central midfield. Midfield's quite interesting for me because you've lost Tom Davis, who was fourth choice. There's continued discussion about Onana's future. And then the one that people aren't really talking about, Isaac Price left, and he was probably the next cab off the rank for, for, for Lampard in particular when it came to getting minutes in the in the first team. So Almost without doing anything, Lewis Warrington's come back and has kind of increased in importance. And some of that's down to him, by the way. I, th- I think he had a, a pretty decent loan at Fleetwood. And when I spoke to James Vaughan a few weeks ago, Everton's loan pathways manager, he said how happy he was with, with Lewis Warrington, Lewis Dobbin, people like that, who hadn't had so much of the spotlight while out, while out on loan. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lewis Warrington. I believe when they were going through that phase of trying to get people out of the door, Ishe Samuel Smith and Ellis, Ellis Sims, there was discussion about whether Lewis Warrington would go as well and and in different circumstances that could have come off. So still hedging the bets a little bit with him and what happens with him. And then the final one's Tom Cannon, who, who could still go out on loan feasibly. Um, there's a decision that needs to be made there. Um but the initial idea was that if Everton signed the strikers they needed, he'd, he'd head out again and, and, and gain some more minutes. So they're all a work in progress. They're not the ones you'd maybe rely on. But I think if if push came to shove and Everton didn't get the players and they needed, then they are probably the ones that would, would be pushed up and, and have to contribute. Yeah, and that is because, as we, we said here now on, on Wednesday afternoon, Everton... Still waiting to make a, a signer for a, for a transfer fee. Um, obviously, Ashley Young's coming on a free transfer this summer. Um, and you know, we've spoken about him already on other shows. But um, it's, I, feel, I feel like we're close to that point, Paddy, where it's like people have had the summer. Uh, they've forgotten about Everton. They've kind of stopped stopped trying to get too invested in transfers and the squad. And But now the back and the club are... I'm making it clear that the back and the, the the playing friendly games and you know people are getting tickets certainly for you know for the local tour, the Northwest tour that um Sean Dyche has, has got them embarking on starting this weekend. Or Brexit Britain. Yeah. <laughs> but it's <laughs> we're, we're reaching a point now where people are gonna start going to games again. And obviously, like I said, barring Brownthwaite and, and barring Ashley Young, they're, they're gonna see the same faces. All over again, and the same faces that they were very much part of a squad that, that just about survived by the, the skin of the teeth last year, and it feels like that that sensation. And, and you know, I've said, I don't read too much into preseason results personally, but you know, if they were to lose at Wigan on Saturday, say, and they hadn't made a sign, and it just feels like we're reaching that that critical point where it could just start to turn. And 
and any kind of anticipation and, and hope people might have for a new season and, you know, fresh change and all the things that were so bad last year to sort of start to move in the right direction. It could just turn into a bit of apprehension and a, a bit of anxiousness again. Yeah, I, th- I think we might already be there, to be honest, judging by what people say, both on social media and in person. When when I have those conversations, I think a lot of Everton fans are, are you there yet? Are, are approaching the season with trepidation. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's quite clear, really, isn't it, that this squad needs improvement, not only in terms of probably the first 11, but also in, in a depth sense as well. As we speak, kind of in late July, we've got a situation where Dominic Calvert-Lewin is still the only striker you'd hang your hat on. And I think we all know that there needs to be a reduced reliance on him. Uh, but the, Michael also, Ke- the Michael Keane's words about Neil Mopay not Suvia in that sense. <laughs> uh, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll be dip- I'll try and be diplomatic here, which has never been a strong point for me, um, and say that I think Neil Mopay is probably not your ideal lone striker in Sean Dyche's system. No. It's not the best stylistic fit. I think you get more out of Mopay if you either played a different way with balls to his feet. Or he was potentially lined up alongside Calvert-Lewin. I'm not necessarily advocating that, by the way, but that, that that's where I think he would be best used. Maybe uh, it says more about Michael Keane, that he's maybe struggling against him in training. <laughs> I don't, I, again, again, I, I can't comment on that. I didn't see those those sessions. Um, if Mope won the, the, the yo-yo test as, as advertised, then well, fair play. That, that That's quite a decent feat in that squad. But I think we all... Would much rather he was hitting the batter, back of the net with regularity. Um, it, it, it means little if they don't come back firing when the when the actual football begins. I think there is trepidation. I looked at that Sky Bet poll that came out the other day and had Everton down as was it three point three percent in the optimism levels. I know we'd done a similar poll around this time last year and Everton were were close to the bottom, and I, I fully understand why. That's that's the case. I think the, the other element here is that Everton have struggled for two successive years. They may have got in a coach who's better suited than Lampard to the situation, but they've also, from last year's squad, lost quite a bit of depth. I mean, I, I think Yerry Mina, for example, was was pivotal in keeping Everton up in those late throws when he when he came back into the side. I think that quality and that dominance and that leadership made a big difference. Uh, Connor Cody obviously played a role at the start of the season and right at the end. It's hard to know how much stock to place on Begovic and, and Davis leaving, but but again, it further erodes the depth of the squad and means that kind of were something to happen to Jordan Pickford uh, and touch with a dozen, but were something to happen to him, then they'd be in a sticky situation there. So a lot of those issues are still to be resolved. And then you've still got the outstanding issues such as the, the sheer lack of goals across the team and uh, I think what Dwight McNeil top scorer last season with seven Damari Gray chipped in but he's been linked with a move away Calvert-Lewin's fitness so Everton uh, Ever- I-, I believe Everton need two to three forward options and I think Everton would acknowledge they need two to three forward options but they have to start getting them over the line with what now like, kind of mid to late July uh, and it's less than a month until the season kicks off and I think that's probably probably why the return of pre-season and that kind of looming kind of date with Fulham at Goodison on August the 12th. I think they're probably the reasons why 
people are starting to get edgy. And, and like I said, I, f- I fully understand that the, the circumstances there in front of us, aren't they? The, the facts are there for all to see. Yeah, and I think you're right about centre-back in particular because it sort of feels like it's been gen- generally assumed that day one of the season that, you know, if, if you've asked people to like name their like 11 for the first game of the season, it sort of feels like a, a lot of, a lot of fans would go, well, Keen and Tarkovsky and, and just move on and be like, well, that's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's, it's like it's like you said there, towards the end of, of last season, I'll, I'll never forget that game against Newcastle where Isaac just ran past them all like like they weren't there. They, you know, I think there was a point where he was, they, Michael Keane ushered him through on the park end byline, wasn't there? And, and it's not, you know, maybe digging out Keane quite a lot here as well, but like that, that, that's a problem for me, that that area. You know, and, and we're looking at a situation there where, you know, I think it's widely assumed the Holgate's gonna go if, if an offer comes in for him. You've yeah, got yeah. Godfrey. I mean, who knows what, what position that lad's in after injuries and playing across the back four in a variety of different positions. Bramthwaite, I think ideally he's your third centre back. I think oh, you know, that's an ideal world for me. I mean, I don't know if you agree. Like if Yerry Meehan was still at the club and could play regular minutes, Branthwaite would feel like a good lad who could come in every now and then, play between 20 and 25 games, and and, and you could sort of drip feed him into the Premier League. No, I don't think really. I I, I wouldn't want him thrown in and starting on that, that opening day. It, you know, Certainly if someone like Mitrovic, you know, I know he's been linked to the move away, but that kind of forwards against them, and it just feels like that would be a big challenge for him still. Um, and like that, that like centre back in general just feels like it's been like brushed over. It's like, oh, well, you know, we have got bigger options there, but it yeah. sort of feels like in losing Yerry Mina, we've lost the equivalent in defence to what Dominic Carvalhoon is. And, that, and that's a play that's really important, really beneficial, great leader, uplifted the, the level of the entire team. Yeah. Um, and, and we haven't got that, we, have, we haven't got that, that, that replacement for him here. It, no, he, but- that's that, that's. You know that's it's not as big a concern as a centre forward, obviously, but it's you know it's it's second on the list for me. Yeah, uh, maybe that's because a there are numbers there, and you've got Branthwaite coming back. I think ideally they actually need to trim the options as centre back first, get some out, and then bring fresh blood in. But there are also if there have been and and remain issues all over the pitch. I mean, we spoke about Everton's second choice keeper there. We. We haven't even mentioned yet that until Ashley Young signed, Mikolenko was the sole left back at the club in a, in a senior capacity. Seamus Coleman's still injured and and kind of isn't back in full training ahead of the new season. So I have to assume he's a doubt for the game against Fulham. So the, the forward options, what happens if Onana goes, is Tom Davis replaced? All this kind of stuff is swelling around. That There are issues basically in every department as as I see them, um, I think a lot rests on Branthwaite after a, a very successful loan at PSV. I think that showed that he's a real prospect and has got a lot going for him. And I believe he's made strides forward. That That's a, certainly the feedback that he's made strides forward in that last year. But it is still a leap from, from Holland to, to the Premier League. And even somebody like Cody Gakpo, with more experience, both domestically and internationally, playing in the World Cup and stuff like that. It took him a while to acclimatise to, to the Premier League from the Eredivisie. So 
it, it's no show, surefire bet that Branthwaite comes in and smashes it from the get-go. I, I think he's got the potential to do so eventually. But it might well be that you've got a situation where Tarkovsky is the kind of the stalwart that they build around. And then it's Keane and, and Branthwaite vying for that place alongside him. I, I, I like Branthwaite's profile because I think, first of all, he's he's tall. But I think actually when he gets going, when he when he opens his, his legs and he gets going, I think he's actually kind of pretty quick, all told. He's, he's certainly probably Everton's quickest centre-back. And he's also spent a year playing out from the back with PSV. So I think he gives you a different profile and is able to play on the left-hand side. My fear when you go back to the Isaac goal for Newcastle was just how one-paced and flat-footed Everton looked. And they almost looked like an analogue team in a digital age, didn't they? In, in the way they were playing against them. Um, absolutely terrifying defending. Um, whatever you want to say about Isak's ability. Just, just, uh, I, th- I, thought it was ter- I thought it was probably the most awful goal I've seen Everton concede <laughs> in a long time. And that there have been plenty of those, of course. So a lot will depend on Branthwaite. And I suppose from that point of view, it, it's not an ideal situation there either. Um, at least there is talent. At least there is there is a player with ability, with promise, and someone he can ho- hopefully build around in the years ahead. But it could well be a, a straight shootout between him and Keane for, for places right at the start of the campaign. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's that's a bit scary. That is a bit scary to me, that. Because, um, like, like I said, everything about Branthwaite seems to be positive, but like it, I think it's... I think it's different. Like the, the, it's almost like playing a different sport, playing centre back for Everton under Sean Dice than playing centre back in the the Eredivisie for for PSV. You know, it's it's not going to be an open, expansive game. You're not going to have loads of the ball, knocking it around and stepping into midfield. You're going to be you're going to be sat back, and those qualities you mentioned there. You know, his recovery pace, great, good on the ball, great. You know, really good on either side, great. I don't really. I don't know if Dice is a manager that's going to put too much stock in that. No, uh, he kind of defending the V, doesn't he? As, as we've yeah. seen now, from from that coach's view view interview, um, kind of defending the V, kind of clearing the box, winning headers, all that kind of stuff. I, I think he can still do some of that quite well. But whether he's there at Premier League level yet, well, we'll we'll have to find out, won't we? Um, but I understand why that that is a potential concern. I think long term, you look at Everton's options there and think, as I was saying, ideally, you want to build around Branthwaite. Tarkovsky's there as kind of a steady pillar, like an aging head. But then you get others out and you're able to, to get some fresh blood in there. I think that's what it needs ultimately, isn't it? Whether or not it can happen this season with the financial constraints, I think that remains to be seen. I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, um, let, let's go to the other end of the pitch then. Uh, like so we, we do desperately, desperately need new faces. Um, it, it seems from you know, Dominic Cavalier did an interesting interview with the, the club channel, didn't he? Sort of saying how he's feeling good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I know the sort of noises coming out of Everton have been quite cautious about him having the in regards to to his return. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but I think what what's been interesting for me is that. The links we're getting to players aren't necessarily out and out centre forwards, are they? You know, the two, the two strongest ones you could say over the last week or so have been uh, Nyonto and um, Alanga for Manchester United, who are sort of just you know, wide players, really. Haven't they? Neither of them played up front necessarily in the yeah. in the Premier League. Um, 
I mean, just on those names, is there one in particular that you'd, you'd prefer, that you'd like, you'd think would be more of a a fit for, for a Sean Dyke system? Um, I think Nonto probably has a higher ceiling than Alanga. Yeah. Ultimately. And I think he's pro- he would probably be the more exciting signing if that were to come off. But maybe given Alanga's experience in the Premier League, he's probably the one you'd back to come in more or less straight away and do a job and, and hit the ground running. Um, curiously, both of them, as you were saying, play. I'd say both of them are probably best coming inside from the left. Um, and there's seemingly no right winger at the club beyond Alex Awobi, who I don't believe is a winger at all. And our best outfielder player last season was a left winger. And you know, he, you know, I think the ideal of moving McNeil, yeah. moving moving McNeil. I, I thought, I thought, you know, when he played on the right hand side early in the season, cutting in, thought he was pretty terrible to be honest. Like he, he's twice as effective when he's on that left side, left side, and his, his games simplified for me. I, I would not be moving him off off there at all. No, I I probably wouldn't. But the the thing I caution there when looking at the first half of the season, is I, I think we had a player who was struggling to adapt and was was probably low on confidence. And I think that moving him round from pillar to post, early doors under Lampard, did him far more harm than good. I mean, I think I was with you in the Gladys Street for the Nottingham Forest game and McNeil came on as a sub. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he was playing as a false nine. Almost, and I think I turned to you at one point and just said, "This is going to break him." He took <laughs> that corner, didn't he? Then hit the side net, and I was like, "Oh no!" He didn't look. He's got a. I think he's got a pretty decent left foot. All told, that's that's probably one of the strongest elements in his game. Pretty decent tech, technically striking a ball. So for that to happen, for stuff like that to happen, suggests to me that there was more than just the positional woes. It was. It was also about confidence, ad- adaptation, all that kind of stuff. And and I think famously at Burnley, he was a player that would, would kind of flitter in and out. Um, maybe we'll see a new Mac- Dwight McNeil and, or, or certainly a continued version of, of the kind of the second half of last season where I think he was outstanding. If, it, if the season had... If the season had started in June, he would have been July, uh, January. Sorry, he'd have been Everton's player of the season for me, um, given how well he performed. So your argument is maybe don't move him off that left flank, keep him there where he's doing things so well. If I'm a betting man, then I still think probably first game of the season you end up with Dwight McNeil on the left and Alex Awobi right of a of a narrow four with somebody probably Ducore pushed. Pushed on in support of of a of a lone striker. Um, Dice Dice likes his wingers to be regimented. He likes his wingers to do both sides of the game. So, offensive third and defensive third, cover full backs, get cross into the box. You need to be runners and you need to put in the graft. It's partly why Damari Gray has not always been a fit there for him. Um, Alanga probably is the one you'd maybe back to do that. But I think the ceiling with Nonto is really, really high. And he's obviously a very exciting player. We've also got the link with Dan Juma, which is which is interesting. Again, for me, I probably look at him and think, cuts inside off the left. No, 
Well, I'm interested yeah, so. in those. No. Well, it, it's it's the same with all of these players. Nonto is, is 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 a good player and has a high ceiling, so he'll be in demand. Alanga has got interest, as as has been reported. Dan Juma has, has got a lot of interest. I think the thing that appeals with with Dan Juma is that you've got a you've got a potential loan signing there and a player coming back into the Premier League, um, having been in in Spain at a smaller club in what in, in in financial sense in VRL. So it's not going to be astronomical financially. What that does, though, is it brings all parties to the table, doesn't it? Because everybody knows there's a deal to be done uh, and everyone can kind of compete for his signing. So there's going to be interest in all of those guys. I don't think any of them are, are by any means foregone conclusions. But but are Everton in the race for the, for the three of them? Yes, they have been. And, and let, let's see how the next few weeks pan out. Yeah, Nonto, I agree, he's definitely got a higher ceiling. But I, I also look at him and think he's... He'd be your grey replacement if grey left. If you get what I mean, like I, I don't, I don't think Dice has ever seen Damari Gray as, you know, he's never, as far as I can remember, he never played him on one of the the wings in that four five one or four four two. I don't think he's a winger. I, um, I don't, and I think that that's part of the reason why if grey leaves, he might go. Yeah, and that's like I think that's where if Gray was to go and they were to, to go and use the money they got for him to, to get a, a deal for Nyonto over the line, I feel like he'd be sort of used in a similar way, if you get what I mean. Like, I don't know if he's defensively robust enough to play left or right in a Sean Dyche team at, at the moment, but... Is Dan Juma? Him, yeah, you could play him, but I think with him, with Dan Juma and with Nyonto, you could probably say, go and play off the centre-forward if you needed to, or you could bring one of them on when you're chasing the game later on. Although, like, but it's, you know, as much as, you know, it's mad because we're talking about these players, Alanga, um, Danjuma, and then Nyonto. And if, if, if everyone was fit from an Everton perspective on the opening day of the season, from an attacking point of view, you could look at it and say, would any of them start? Would any of them get in the team on the opening day? You know, like you said, they still hunted the core right, pushing on. You'd have Calvert-Lewin at the top end of the pitch and you'd have those two very reliable wingers in, in Awobi and, and and Dwight McNeil. And it's like, it, it sort of feels like you, you're bringing them in to... Because the, the, the times, last, you know, I remember the Leicester game away where it was 2-2 and, and that game was there to be won and you didn't make any substitutions despite having Gray on the bench. It, it feels like... Listen, the first eleven needs improving massively. Um, don't get me wrong, but it also feels like having those those options off the bench, which we didn't have last year, could could be vital as well. And that's I think that's kind of where I'd see like Nyonto or Alanga or or Danji were fitting in to start with, if everyone was fit. Which let's be honest, this being Everton, they probably won't be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're probably right there. Um, that's what experience tells us, doesn't it? Having followed Everton for all these years. I th- I think that on paper all three of them are good enough players in their own right to be in a best Everton eleven, but we're talking specifically here about a Sean Dyche Everton, aren't we? And what he privileges and what he wants, and we kind of go back to the um, to the work that was done on the wings, and yeah, very much a case of um, wanting. The grit and the grind and the, the the determination and those things. So yeah, the, the, that prediction from you, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if it was the case. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Nanto or Danjuma playing off a main striker at some points, maybe in a two up front, those kinds of things. Um, 
but they're all talented players. They're, and I think they're all players that would improve Everton immeasurably. I mean, it's quite interesting. I, I spoke to the assistant manager, Ian Wone, in, in Evian, and he was he was talking about the need to improve the, the resources, the, the, the need to improve the squad. And there he was talking about how, as you've mentioned, they need to be better in changing games off the bench. And maybe one of those signing pushes Damari Gray onto the bench for a few games, and then he comes on as an impact sub and has a make, makes a difference. But they, they, they do need to. Everybody knows Everton needs to improve that squad. And, then, and they've got, well, it's got a month, less than a month until the season starts and then a further couple of weeks until the, the, the window closes. Um, it seems like a lot of time, but you've got to get the bodies in, haven't you? You've got, you've got to get it done. Yeah, and that, that's why like, I'm, I'm struggling to get too invested in the pre-season stuff because you, know, you, could, you could have the, the, the fittest set of 19 lads going to go and start the season, but bridging that quality gap is just, you know, you, you're not going to do it without without new faces. And um, But I mean, listen to us talking about signing new forwards and, and getting potentially excited about depth and being able to bring a striker off the bench. Um, it's 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 nice. It's, it's, it feels fanciful, but um, yeah, it feels like we're a long way off getting anybody in from, from that point of view. Um, just before we, we wrap it up, mate, um, quickly talk about Deli Ali and that interview that came out last week on the um, overlap and kind of caught everybody a little bit by surprise. And, uh, um, you know, I know he's been back at Finch Farm for for a while and, and doing work there before this this came out. Um, but, you know, don't really want to talk about it from a footballer point of view, just as, as a human story and, and a personal triumph and, and an act of bravery and, and serving as an inspiration to other people. Um, nothing but enormous respect for, for the way in which which Delhi went about it and just hopefully um, and hopefully for, with the help of Everton as, as a club as well he can he can get his, his life back on track and it's obviously good to hear him talking about being well and, and feeling better and you know amazing to hear him speak about he wants to be a better player than he was and he's still got that ambition and, and you know that, that fire there but I just think from a, a human point of view that you want to see him get well, and and it's good that he's taken steps to do that. It's sad that he had to come out and, and speak about it, maybe a bit early than he would have liked to, um, but I think he did it with a lot of a lot of class and a, a lot of bravery. And it feels like hopefully he's, he's starting to get back on the right track again. Yeah, I'd echo that, and that definitely seemed to be the the suggestion too that maybe for him, in his opinion, he's 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 over the worst of this, and after seeking out help. And and speaking about these things with with people close to him now publicly, he can start to rebuild his his life and and rebuild his career. And obviously, one follows on from the other, doesn't it? If you if you've not got the foundation, the solid foundation away from the pitch, you're going to be highly unlikely to perform on it. And for all these years, I think he's been that puzzle that people haven't been able to to solve, haven't been able to work out. It's been and if, what happened to that teenager who had the world at his feet under Pochettino at Tottenham? He was kind of destined. We'd all mapped out his career for him, hadn't we? Tottenham, then Real Madrid, then lifting silverware with England and winning the biggest trophies. That that seemed to be his path. And then for it all to unravel so quickly, I think there was, there was always a sense that things weren't quite right there. Nobody could have predicted 
the extent of what he said in that interview, um, as you've already said, I think I think it was incredibly brave. Got an awful lot of respect for him to to for doing that. Very disappointing that he felt he needed to do it before it ended up maybe on the front page of a, of a certain tabloid. Um, I think we all need to be better in the media at being kind of less invasive and, and giving people a bit of space. And I do hope the club's words and Delhi's words about privacy are kind of heeded now that, that he's given time to kind of rebuild himself up. You're right in saying that this is not about his football at the moment. It's about kind of him, his rehabilitation after all the troubles he's had. Um, so can only send best wishes and, and hope he he gets better soon. Um, Everton come out of this looking good because they've they've helped him along the way. They've given him support. He spoke in quite a heartfelt way about the support he's got there. And on that side of things, you can very rarely fault the club. They tend to do right by a lot of those players um, and in, in difficult situations, some of which may never see the light of day or be aired publicly. And that side of things, they, they, they seem to get everything right. Obviously, in other areas, there's an awful lot to be desired, as we've spoken about. But but here, kudos to them. Kudos, big kudos to Delhi for speaking out. And, and obviously, hope he, um, hope to see him back on a pitch soon. That would be quite emotional, I think, wouldn't it, to see him, see him back out there and and hopefully performing back to something like his, his, his level of before. Yeah. Um, and listen, of course, it's, you know, it's, it is private matter. You don't know if he's going to be able to be involved in any pre-season games, stuff like that. But... You know, as you said, it's it's not about that. But if he is going to get back on track um, in his footballing career, um, certainly as, as you said, there from an emotional point of view and a support point of view, Everton is is a great place for him. You know, fans have already made banners, haven't they? That are going to be brought to some of the games, which is which has been fantastic. They were, they were. They were they, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd describe it as a banner, but there was definitely a cutout with yeah. with a supportive message for Delhi in in neon Switzerland last week. I'd also say that the final piece of this, I probably should have touched on it, is that I think Dice is a good presence when mm. you look at what Aaron Lennon has said before about how Dice helped him at Burnley after his struggles. Even Calvert-Lewin, talking about the support he's had mentally and, and obviously physically in his in his rehabilitation. I think the, the temptation with somebody like Dice is to see him as this kind of rugged, Six foot three ginger with a beard who, who speaks in a gruff voice. And there is some of that there. But because of that, I think sometimes we neglect to mention the kind of the softer stuff, the softer skills that he does so well in, in helping people. So I think Everton's a good place for Delhi to be, but I think Daesh is a good manager for him to to be under because I think he makes sure that players are right before they go back on the pitch. And that that's massive here. I don't. I don't think he can. He can. Delhi can afford to be thrust back into the spotlight, the kind of that intense glare of the Premier League um, before he's ready. Yeah, um, let's hope. Let's hope he can get his career back on track. But as we've both said, more importantly, um, personally, um, hopefully he can. He can continue that positive development. Uh, we will wrap up there, mate. And um, we've obviously got Wigan and Tramia, the big double header at the weekend. Um, as Everton begin their glamorous tour of the Northwest before the Premier League season starts. Um, which of those Northwest Vistas are you off to? Paddy covering? 
Um, I'm uh, I'm at the off this weekend. We've got um, family friends staying, so I'm I'm gonna have to do the tourist trail for probably about the <laughs> thousandth time in my life around the the sites of Merseyside, the delights of Merseyside. Gonna try and get to some of the games. Kind of, I think they've got Bolton, haven't they, in the midweek, and then they've got Stoke the weekend after. So I'm I'm eyeing those two up. Um, oh, just bad memories of being pummeled by a long ball footy. Both of those grounds. I mean, yeah. I mean, my my worst memory of Bolton's actually, I think it was at the 4-0 where Stelios ran right. Was it Goodison, wasn't it? Yeah. Ran right at Goodison. And obviously the, the 2 1 where the wind scored a goal for the first time for Everton. <laughs> <laughs> but then they still managed to lose. Um <clears throat> so yeah, I I, I think obviously it, it starts to ramp up slowly but surely. Wigan is a bigger test than Neon. And then Bolton is a, a test compared to some of the others, and and Stoke is a as another step up. So, bit by bit, incrementally, it gets tougher for these players. Um, and I think all we can hope is that by the time I'm next at a game, um, in kind of a week's time, a week week to nine days time, that Everton will have made progress in in the market and hopefully have a new face or two. I think that's that's the big thing now, isn't it? We 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 spent lots of time ourselves included talking. Gaffer's day and the work that's going on in pre-season but I think that the message here is that there's still a lot of work to do on this squad and the most important thing for getting Everton ready now is some of that work too Yeah, that's where it starts um, Cheers to Paddy for coming on if you'd like to hear a bit more from us here at the Blue Room ahead of the new season uh, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra uh, me and McGreen will record on a transfer podcast later and that will be interesting <laughs> it's been a very Oh, a lack of rumours this week, but I'm sure we will find some very, very tenuous links from all corners of Europe about random players you've never heard of. That ask, Mick. ask Mick. Ask, ask Mick. I, 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 I trust Mick's opinion. Who, who, if Mick was recruiting for Sean Dyche's Everton based on the needs at the moment, who would he go for? If there's Ooh. no, if there's no links, you've got to go down that route, haven't you? Oh, that's good. So it's, it's like put yourself in Kevin Farwell's shoes exercise. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it's like a football manager exercise, is it? It's like. Keep this team up with no striker, yeah. no no real leader centre back. You've got, but you've got no money to do it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way. But I'd be interested to hear what he has to come up with. He always always comes up with intelligent choices. There we go. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, given the lack of rumours and seemingly <laughs> inevitable activity. Um, but yeah, I've got lowers there. Mailbag was back last week as well. I've got subscribers weekly. Uh, we'll be ramping it up, um, get into the new season. Hopefully, we'll have a few specials on new players if they ever arrive as well. So, um, cheers, to Paddy. Up the toffees, and we'll catch it again very soon here on the Blue Room. Network.